Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. Sarah Gulseth is out today, but don't worry, she'll be back with us tomorrow. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is May. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, and so we have a special series uh, for our Mental Health Mondays this month. Joining us today, Megan Measler. She's Executive Director for Lutheran Counseling Services in Winter Park, Florida. Megan, thanks so much for being our guest. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. It is always a privilege to get to talk with you. It's been quite a while since we talked. And so looking forward to digging into uh, mental health and uh, the importance of understanding our mental health and uh, and maybe dispelling some myths as well today. So Mental Health Awareness Month, I don't know, do you have any special activities as a mental health professional? Uh, do, Do you do anything special during the month of May? Yeah, we try to do just different things um, every year in the month of May. But this May, um, we are at 2 p.m. on our social medias on Mondays. We're going live for some question and answer topics, um, bringing in some of our board members and just having um, real transparent, honest conversations. Uh, This next Monday, we're we're focusing on kids and after that on church workers and mental health. So, I mean, this is right up my alley. I love to have Mm -hmm. transparent, honest conversation and I really think like in the month of May, we have such an opportunity to destigmatize mental health and just be honest and transparent about it. Well, very good. Well, let's let's start with that. Let's talk about mental health and and and, and also mental illness as well. Mm-hmm. Can you I, I want to share a statement and I'd like to hear your response to that statement. Everyone has mental health. Not everyone has mental illness. Do you have a response to that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with this statement. We all have mental health, like we have physical health, like we have spiritual health. Um, When we talk about mental illness, usually a diagnosis comes with it and maybe a a more outlined kind of treatment plan. Uh, So I agree we all have mental health. Mental illness, not all of us rise to the level of having a diagnosis at this time, but none of us are exempt from getting there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in what ways can we acknowledge our need to care for our mental health? If we all have mental health and maybe varying, I don't know, varying levels of it, um, mm-hmm. in what ways can we acknowledge our need to care about our mental health? I'm a big proponent of just being aware of your feelings, aware of what's going on within your body and aware of your responses. So, I mean, I think one of the ways we definitely acknowledge it is through our own self-talk and to ourselves, but then our verbal out loud talk to other people. Like just, you know, stating, I can wake up in the most grumpiest of moods and I can just be honest with my family that I am just a little grumpy today. I'm working on it. Here's the things I'm going to do about it. So honestly, for me, I think it's, we acknowledge it by being aware and verbalizing it, whether that's Verbalizing it to people you trust or verbalizing it to yourself internally, I think is one of the biggest steps. Hmm. What about, what if we don't acknowledge that, um, acknowledge uh, caring for our mental health? What if we don't acknowledge that we have mental health or that we need to care about it? What can happen when we ignore, I suppose, is the, the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I think just like our physical health, is, it can bubble up when we least expect it. So if, if we have something underlining going on that we're not kind of 
being attuned to or being aware of, it can bubble up at any time. And that could look like, you know, an explosion of a temper tantrum or something, just something that doesn't warrant that big of an emotion. So if we aren't just checking in with ourselves and being aware of what's going on inside of us, mentally and physically, it will display itself in a variety of ways. And those around you will definitely pick up on it. So what are the next steps after acknowledging our need to care for our own mental health? What? Okay, so I acknowledge that I am a human, I have mental health, I need to care about that mental health. What's the next step? Yeah, I think it's, it is, again, like you're saying, like that check-in piece with yourself, but then understanding what do you do, what activities, um, what maybe daily practices help you feel at a level where you're more in control of your emotions and feelings. So what are your coping skills? Um, you know, for me, I have things that I try to do every single day that uh, help me kind of manage who I am and who I want to be and control myself throughout the day when, you know, crazy things arise. So a lot of us should know, and, and if you spend any time with me, I've probably asked you, like, what do you do? Um, to cope with the stresses around you. And we got to make sure that those are, if not daily practices, weekly practices. So what are some examples of those? Uh, what are some things, I don't know if you want to share maybe some personal examples or some examples that, that you might talk about with a client about um, uh, how to, th those daily practices. Yeah, well, one I told you I'm about ready to do right after we get done chatting today. I get out on the kayak. Um, I like being on the water, and the water is a peaceful place for me away from electronics. Um, so for me, that's a coping skill. Things that I do daily, though, I find uh, a gratitude journal is really helpful for me. I write in it daily. Just the little tiny things I see God doing in my life helps to ground me because um, I can get stuck in ruts in my day where it seems like everything is just awful. Um, so daily practices also, though, of just, simple exercise, um, making sure you're eating properly, um, and, and during this pandemic, making sure you're engaged with other people. I have a lot of clients whose coping skills are, are gardening, or um, I don't know if I would call binging Netflix a coping skill, but they make time to kind of just like, you know, let their brain go numb for a little bit and, and listen to a different story outside of, of their realm. But definitely our spiritual practices too, um, starting the day. I like to start my day in devotions and in prayer. Um, and I find when I'm not able to do that, I'm kind of stepping out of bed on the wrong foot and I got to put myself back in that place. So there's definitely different pieces for each individual. Um, but finding what that is for you is very, very important. I wonder, Andy, do you have any coping skills that you use? Sure. Uh, for me, um, there are a number of things that I find very useful in helping me, I guess, keep perspective on how um, how I'm staying healthy. And, and for me, physical activity is very helpful in also keeping me mentally healthy. Uh, mm -hmm. I like to I like to train in the mornings, um, whether it's running or lifting or swimming. Uh, I like to do those things. I like physical activity. Um, I feel <laughs> I. I feel like after I conquer, especially if I do those in the morning, if I conquer them first in the morning, um, I, the other challenges that I face in the day don't seem as big. 
Do uh, you literally feel like I know when I'm able to get in my exercise, I can feel those endorphins. And that's why, you know, that's why we mm-hmm. exercise and how, why it's so helpful to our mental health. I can feel those endorphins in my body, um, just giving me more energy and, and joy at times to conquer those things. Do you think you do you, do you experience that too? I wonder. Um, after the, after I can breathe again, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after uh, after I've, I've you know finished the workout the, the yes. training and 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 cleaned up and uh, gotten the the fluids uh, replenished then uh, then yes I can feel that, <laughs> that that kicking in and and feel a little bit better and and like I said once I feel like I I've finished that um, I guess it's it's a sense of accomplishment I finished you know I set a goal and I finished it and uh, I've I finished that even before I've started my my work for the day. And so that helps me then as I approach any other challenges or any other tasks that I face for the day, um, if I was able to, to conquer, you know, the, whatever goal I set for running or for lifting or for swimming that day, um, you know, and it, 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 sometimes they're really, um, very big goals. Sometimes they're a little yes. bit smaller goals. Sometimes they're distance goals or weight goals. Um, but sometimes they're just smaller goals and, and trying to, um, uh, just to make an, an improvement over the day before or over the the week before, and so either way, though accomplishing those goals um, then gives me a little bit more, I guess, um, I don't know, oomph <laughs> for the, oomph, the rest. Yeah, of the purpose. Oomph. Yeah, feeling <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think when we do work, when we do work with people, especially church workers, caregivers, we don't have like a beginning and an end to a lot of the things that we do. So having something where you set a goal and you achieve it is a beginning and end. And I think that's a great coping skill if you realize in your day to day work you don't have that. Um, so setting tasks and accomplishing them, I think can be, yeah, so rewarding and fulfilling and, and give you a different kind of purpose than working with people that can sometimes be draining. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, in, in, in this, you know, in, in this work, there, there's always, there's a new deadline every day, every hour. Um, so there, the, the work's never done. It's always ongoing. And, and I'm grateful for that, um, that, that I get to do these things, but they're, they're always deadlines. So being able to feel like, uh, something is finished, <laughs> there was a beginning, yeah. a middle and an end, and it was finished and being able to move on, I find, um, very helpful. And, and if I finish that, then that gives me more hope that I'm going to be able to finish the next thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I hear you. Yes. I often tell the story when um, I first got married, my husband tried to mow the lawn for my dad. My dad's a pastor. And my husband was like, Oh, I'm gonna, sh-, you know, I'm gonna make him so proud. I'm gonna mow the lawn for him. And he came, my dad came home and he was like, thanks. But you know, mowing the lawn is the only thing I get to do in my life where I like start it, finish it, and I can look back and say I did it. So don't take away those opportunities from me. And I've come to find I need those kind of pieces uh, too in my life at times. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally understood. Well, what? Let's see. What are some? Uh, in well, we'll do this in, in just a minute. Tell you what, we're, okay. we're going to talk about myths and um, maybe stigma as well. When we come back, we are we're talking about mental health today. Uh, it's Mental Health Monday and Mental Health Awareness Month. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and so we have we're having a great conversation with Megan Meisler. She's executive director for Lutheran Counseling Services in Winter Park, Florida. We'll continue that conversation in just a moment, right here on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. Sarah Colseth will be back with us tomorrow. It is Mental Health Monday and it is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Today we're talking with Megan Measler, Executive Director for Lutheran Counseling Services in Winter Park, Florida. What are, Megan, what are some common myths about mental health that maybe we could dispel here today? Yeah, I think for me, um, two big ones stand out. One is always the discussion around medication and mental health. Um, I have a lot of people who think if I start that anxiety med and I, I'm going to get dependent on it and, you know, there are just coping skills that I can use and I can overcome this, you know, on my own. And so there really is this myth that, that we should be able to take care of these things on our own. Um, and so really to be able to understand that medication honestly helps people, helps me. I take anxiety meds every day um, because the chemicals in my body are off. And so it can't just be this piece where I like muscle through it and I'm going to overcome it, you know? So I think that's a big myth that we need to dispel. And I think more and more nowadays I hear people dispelling that. Um, but, but for several years, you know, there, it was looked down upon to take medication for mental health and even to take medication just to cope with things. I think we saw during the pandemic that was needed for a lot of us. I mean, I was just waking up anxious already because the world was in disarray. And so um, I really want to dispel that myth that that sometimes if there's a chemical imbalance in our body, we can't just overcome it on our own. Um, medication is there for a reason, for sure. Um, and then the other myth I've been really trying to dispel, especially among teachers and church workers, is um, that you have to wear the happy mask all the time. I think it really hurts our conversation around mental health when we put on a happy face all the time. So the expectation that everything's great, everything's wonderful, um, almost God is good all the time, he is good all the time, but it doesn't mean our circumstances are good all the time. And, and, and when teachers are, are just leaders come to work, like everything is always great, I think it sets this tone that we all have to pretend. Um, and so I'm really passionate about raising up my kids and this next generation to be honest and transparent about their feelings. And that if adults could more often, you know, just say like, I'm struggling today, or, you know, I'm feeling sad, uh, that we would normalize that conversation around mental health. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And And so when we are, I guess, more authentic about what we're experiencing in our own context um, that can change the conversation that happens uh, in our relationships in our daily lives. That we that so that when we are struggling with something, we also are more likely to get the help that we need, right? Yeah, or like when we are struggling with something, we know we're not the only ones. Like 
Mm-hmm. Andy, I cannot be the only one that hates driving my kids to school in the morning because they are grumpy and complaining about everything. Like, I know I'm not the only one because I share it with people and they're like, oh, that was my car ride to school today too, you know? So it's just understanding that what you feel and experience, you're not the only one that walks that road. And the more that we can talk about it honestly with each other, the more we will see everybody pretty much does struggle with along the same lines of things. For some, it might be bedtime (laughs) because because what child wants to go to bedtime? So it's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we, so we found coping mechanisms, right? We we found ways to (laughs) make those times more enjoyable for everyone. So you mentioned earlier, um, you know, your concern specifically for teachers or for church workers about always having to feel like always having to put on the happy face when even when when things are difficult or when they're struggling with something. Any other concerns um, or mental health issues specifically uh, concerning church workers? Yeah, I mean, burnout is the hot topic. I want to say burnout, uh, compassion fatigue, those kind of pieces. You know, we're in the middle of a crisis still. Um, and, and at LCS, we've done a lot of work in crisis, but it's usually like a hurricane. It comes through, it leaves, and then, you know, you have a mess and you clean it up. It doesn't last, you know, this long. A hurricane doesn't come for a year. But um, so so burnout, I think we're, we're seeing a lot in church workers. There is always work to do. Um, but now we've, we've put computers right next to beds because we haven't been going into offices. You know, we... We have all these expectations placed upon people and then the financial expectations too, I think, placed upon church workers right now. Um, so I, I, I come from a pastor's family. We work, I work a lot with church workers. I would encourage you to check in on them. Um, if you are a church worker listening or if you're a family member, like talk, be transparent about yourself a little bit more often um, because we often in church work, we can, our identity becomes what we do instead of like who God created us to be. And so I find for church workers, I want them plugging into, you know, the things that fill them up um, and not just the job that they do. So burnout is a huge um, piece in church workers and teachers, educators um, right now. And the isolation, um, I don't know if you've heard this, Andy, but we have a lot of church workers um, that are single. And so uh, through the pandemic, I would hear from a lot of single church workers um, just craving a touch, you know, like they've been isolated alone in their homes and um, not going to church and and churches where they would get to hug people and churches where they, you know, would get to shake somebody's hand. And so being quarantined for so long, like they're not getting the touch, especially if they're single. And for some of them, I volunteered to send my children to their house if they wanted them, but um, (laughs) they didn't take me up on it. But um, it was just a unique perspective I heard um, really in that intense time of quarantine that those single church workers just just crave people and and crave touch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned burnout um, before isolation. Can you explain a little bit more about, like, I think we all have different ideas about what burnout is. What, how would you describe burnout or what are some, maybe some signs that someone might be, uh, especially talking about church workers or, or, or others who, who have really been um, probably just laboring very intensely during the, the pandemic. What are some signs of burnout that we can be aware of that might uh, help us then reach out to help our neighbor? 
Yeah, so the term burnout um, was actually created to discuss what um, a psychologist was seeing going on in people in the helping profession. Um, and really, they were, they were giving more to other people than they were giving to themselves. And I was just working with a chaplain at VTOS on burnout, and he handed me this little um, checklist, like to take a quiz on burnout. So I might just share these with you. So if you feel that your um, your parishioners or your congregations members stress, if you feel their stress so deeply, if you find small changes draining, if you've lost your sense of being hopeful, anger outbursts or Ill irritability, if you fear feel tired and run down because of work or family. If it's difficult to separate church work from your personal life, if you feel overwhelmed by unfinished business, if you have difficulty staying or falling asleep, or if you just feel like a failure, if three or more of those that I just stated apply, then you would be very close, if not in um, a burnout state. So, you know, as you talk about those, those are those are not just things that you feel like emotionally, they are things that you feel physically, like physically being tired or even like mentally being drained. Um, but for me, when I work with people with burnout, they have no time, they're not creating any time for themselves. Um, and so we get into that a little bit of a savior mentality where we feel like we have to be giving so much to other people that we're not taking care of ourselves. So really burnout that word encompasses that I've stopped taking care of my own needs and I'm trying so hard to please all of those around me. So if you are, if you are experiencing burnout or you, you see someone you, who is showing some signs of burnout, uh, getting connected with a professional certainly would be a, mm -hmm. a good first step. You mentioned self-care as well. Let's talk about what self-care might look like to help someone either avoid getting to burnout or, or uh, turning around so that, uh, that they're to make a, a change so that they're not continuing to experience burnout. Yeah. First and foremost, I think anybody that's experiencing burnout, I'm going to encourage that you are making sure that you're blocking off time in your schedule for you. Those of us who are pretty deep in burnout will want to prioritize every uh, everybody else's needs. And so it's, it's really creating that time for you. And then your self-care practices. Um, anybody coming into my office really struggling in that way, I'm going to, I'm going to ask them, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating regularly? Are you raising your heart rate for 20 minutes a day? And are you engaged with people around you? And for church workers, um, and I speak this from a church family, so I know how hard this can be, but I, I want you to have social relationships where somebody knows you, like somebody knows me as Megan, not as the DCE at Trinity where I used to be. So where I don't have to be in these dual roles with them, like they come to me and they use my first name, like, or they come to my dad, they don't call him pastor, they call him Rick. Um, and, and Church workers really, really struggle with that. They struggle to find like a support system that doesn't just know them in their role, but loves them for who they are. Um, and so that's where in church work, it's this unique place of feeling isolated when there's tons of people around you. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think some of those big things are eating, sleeping, exercising, but finding a support system that cares about you for you, not about you for the role that you're in. Hmm. 
any um so so self-care certainly is uh an important step taking care of ourselves what about caring for our neighbors mental health anything that that we can do to to um to help our neighbor in terms of mental health yeah, and I don't know if you mind if I plug a little thing that we're doing this month that I would encourage people to do. Um, on our social media, we are you you go on and you fill out a form and we will send you postcards that you can send out to people that you just want to send a note to or check on. You know, before pandemic, I might say, you know, go over and knock on the door, invite them for a walk. You know, life's all changed now. But it is those like honest, transparent conversations about how you're doing, how are they doing? Um, I just, I want to encourage people more and more to just be honest and transparent, check in on people. Um, really in this pandemic, our older adults have been probably one of the most isolated. And I'm down here in Florida, so, you know, we have different rules, but um, it, it, it's been about reaching into them instead of waiting for them to reach out. And I think that's, I think that's almost got to be our new motto after this pandemic is I'm going to check in with you. I'm not going to wait for you to say, oh, I'm struggling. I'm going to ask you, um, how are you doing? What's going on? Um, how can I how can I support you? What do you need? You know, those kind of things. And I can stay on my driveway. They can stay on their driveway and I can still ask them that. Um, so I think it is that piece of checking in on them. Hmm. Getting outside, going for a walk. It's amazing what uh, a walk can do for mm-hmm. for relationship for mental health as well. Well, uh, Megan, uh, with just uh, under a minute left, any resources, any helpful resources you want to point us to? Maybe um, uh, the uh, um, LCS website? Yeah. um, On our LCS website, we're sharing blogs every week specifically about mental health and, and very specific topics. Because next week we're going to, or we're going to focus on kids and mental health. And uh, it's not easy raising kids and and helping them just be emotionally aware. So I think that's our job as parents. But yeah, check out our website. NAMI has a great we- website. I know they're doing a lot of great things um, this month too for mental health awareness. So um, I think in all the organizations I'm seeing, it's, it's, it's just our goal to reduce the stigma around mental health and have more honest and transparent conversations just like this in your coffee hour. I'm so great to hear that you're doing this. Well, thank you, Megan. Thanks for uh, all your, your great insights today. The The website for Lutheran Counseling Services of Florida. LCS, like Lutheran Counseling Services, and then flforflorida.com. Very good. LCSFL.com. Megan Meisler, Executive Director for Lutheran Counseling Services in Winter Park, Florida. Megan, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.